Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Hello, and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where two brothers will answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing well. I, You know, my new book, Turtles All the Way Down, comes out in about two weeks, and I'm sort of freaking out. But it occurs to me that you will know the pleasure of this particular freakout sometime next year when your novel comes out. Yeah, there's a number of times in the past uh, little while where you've been like uh, talking about something that I'm not, I can't talk about, which I hate doing and I never want to do. And, uh, and so I didn't for the most part. And then now it's happening. The thing that I've been working on and not able to talk about is a real thing now. And I, I, I have a book that I wrote and now have to revise. Um, John, uh, this this process is time-consuming. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, that's why it takes me years between books. But I have absolute faith in you. You're going to be okay. Uh, but it is. It's time-consuming, and it's intimidating. But you're mm-hmm. a really good writer, and you're going to be. it's going to be great. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I am a little worried that you're not going to put all of your energy into the tour because you're going to have to revise during tour. And I want to spend the entire tour playing uh, on the Super Nintendo classic mini thing that I just bought. Well, I'm definitely going to be revising on tour because the the deadline I have been given is quite aggressive. Um, Well, that's fine. But you and I have to play a lot of Super Mario Kart. Well, you can take that up with my editor, who I have now. I have an editor. It's weird. I'm so excited for you. So for those of you who don't know, Hank's not that good at self-promo. Uh, his new book, is it's going to be called, his first book, it's going to be called uh, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing. It's coming out in the fall of 2018, and I am thrilled. It is an absolutely remarkable thing. You haven't read it yet, so you don't know. It could be terrible. The, the one thing I will say about An Absolutely Remarkable Thing 
is that it does not pass the mom test in that she cannot remember the title. She just <laughs> Well, it's... on the other hand, the thing that is the best about it is way back in 2007, my friend Maureen Johnson observed that many book titles would get better when you add In Your Pants to the end of them. And an absolutely <laughs> remarkable thing, In Your Pants, is one of the greatest In Your Pants book titles of all time. Uh, it was considered. That's, uh, it was really the only the only thing I needed uh, for it for it to be a good. That's all I was hoping for. Uh, you know, I kind of wanted it to to spell out fart, uh, but I gave up on that goal, and so just got a art instead. Oh man! Well, I am uh, I'm I'm really thrilled for you and really proud of you. And I guess it remains to be seen which Green Brother will rule the roost of uh, publishing. But I am really excited for you. I really now regret not finding a way to make the acronym fart. Do you think I could have slid that one under the radar and, and Penguin wouldn't have noticed? Uh, they just... They, uh, and, and then, like, you know, everybody just be, like, seat on the shelves, and then w- when when it comes to talking about the book, because it's a rather long title, you just have to say, well, when I was imagining the main character in Fart, uh, <laughs> it would be so good. Hank, also, something like that short- happens... Something that happens in your pants. Uh, Go ahead and give me a short poem, John. All right. This poem was sent in by Michelle. It's called Splinter by Carl Sandburg. It's very short, and it's about fall, so it's seasonally appropriate. The voice of the last cricket across the first frost is one kind of goodbye. It is so thin, a splinter of singing. Just a little early fall poem for you, Hank. Can I uh, share with you a question from our listeners? Yeah, please do. All right, this question comes from Colleen, who writes, Dear Brothers Green, I love listening to the pod, and I'm excited to see you in St. Paul next month. I'm also excited to be visiting Minnesota, Colleen. I am a kindergarten teacher who is slowly burning out. My kids and coworkers are amazing, but the demands placed on all of us are becoming increasingly impossible, and to add to it, I have a particularly large and difficult class this year. I'm John's age and wondering if it's too late to change careers. My husband and I have two kids. We cannot support ourselves on his salary alone, so taking a few years for the family or more schooling is not an option. What could my next career be? Keeping it Colleen. What a great name-specific sign-off. That's good. That's good. Uh, you, there, there maybe are the sort of the same careers in other places that you could be looking at. Um, it, like oftentimes I will hire video editors who are currently video editors at other video editing companies and, but they will like the job better where working for me because it will be more pay or it will be less pressure or a cooler thing. So maybe there are kindergartens out there that aren't so hard Maybe, but I would say that there's also opportunity to do lots of other jobs. I mean, I, I always recommend talking to your friends and networking is a horrible word, but it is by far, I think, the most effective way mm-hmm. to find jobs. So go talk to your friends, talk to other parents at soccer games, say, I am a kindergarten teacher, but I'm looking for interesting new opportunities. If you hear of anything, please let me know. Um, I think that tends to be the way that most people actually get jobs. Uh, LinkedIn and everything is great, but I think there's no replacement for networking. Um, the other thing that I'd say, Colleen, is that it, in my opinion, your skill set is incredibly useful in a lot of different careers, like a lot of project management careers, because if you can like handle a classroom full of five and six year old children, as far as I'm concerned, you can do almost anything in terms of like organization <laughs> and administration yeah i mean managing for the most part is just uh just controlling 
controlling people who are who are letting their base instincts uh, uh, drive them, which is right. definitely kindergarten teaching. So yeah. that's a that's a, that is a great point, John. Yeah, I remember the other thing is that you'll probably be calm under pressure, which is useful. Like I remember when I started working at Booklist Magazine, I'm not generally, this is going to surprise you, Hank, but I'm not generally <laughs> known for being a calm person. Mm-hmm. But when when I first started working at Booklist Magazine, my previous job had been uh, at a children's hospital and everyone would be so upset about the deadlines at Booklist and is the magazine going to come out on time? And I would just be like, you know what, guys? The magazines come out on time like every two weeks for the last 104 years. I think it's going to be fine. Nobody's going <laughs> to die today. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, de-escalation. Because, because you really can't be somebody who escalates if you're a kindergarten teacher. No, you cannot be a catastrophizer if you're a kindergarten teacher. Like if a five-year-old is like, I cannot believe that Jimmy stole my crayons. You can't be like, oh my God, Oh, Jimmy. wow. That really oh. is a deal. Oh, man. We, got- yeah, we need to call the principal immediately. In fact, you know what? We need to call the president. Yeah. Because uh, he can de-escalate a crisis. Oh, man. I'm glad. I, I, I'm glad that I have gotten a, a fair amount of de- de-escalation training before having a child. Uh, hopefully, that will be a positive thing for both of us. This next question is from Tyler, who asks, Dear Hank and John, How long slash well do you have to know someone before uh, you should or it makes sense to go to their wedding? I have two friends whom I have acted with in a play that are getting married. I've only known them for about four months, but in that time we grew pretty close, as theater makes you do. The young lady posted on Facebook saying, if you would like a wedding invite, please send me your address. This is the worst thing! (laughs) Why is she putting the burden of choosing who goes and who doesn't on us, Tyler? Yeah, no, this isn't how weddings work! Well, also, oh. like, I mean, is there, like, can I look up her Facebook and ask for an invite to the wedding? Like, because I don't mind, as long as there's an open bar, I don't mind spending a Saturday afternoon with strangers. <laughs> uh, what, what in the sweet name of hell is this? I mean, just when I thought that I understood the brave new world of internet discourse, suddenly... Uh, what? Huh? I don't know. Don't, Tyler. No, Tyler, back away. Just walk slowly away from this situation. Delete your Facebook and just try to reset your life. Yeah, yeah. Spend a little time in the woods. This, oh man, I like, that's just way, way too much. Like what? Does this person like everyone who follows them on Facebook enough for them to come to their wedding? Because that is not how I feel about everyone who follows me on my Facebook. Maybe it is a, like, strategy for dealing with really difficult or annoying parents. Like, if the parents are like, we need you to invite, like, these 72 people you don't know, maybe they can be like, you know what? Fine, but the solution to pollution is dilution, and I'm inviting (laughs) everyone from my Facebook. (laughs) There's going to be 4,000 people at this wedding. Uh, We're serving nothing but Pabst Blue Ribbon beer, and you can bring all of your friends. (laughs) There is no food. Yeah, there the will cake, be. There the will cake be is no big food. enough for two people. Thank you. Yeah, Tyler, don't go to this wedding. Um, that is that is my that is my full stop recommendation. I agree. This next question comes from Haley, who writes, "Dear John and Hank, I'm 20 years old, and I only recently learned how to whistle. And can we pause for a second so mm-hmm. I can just tell you something? Yeah, sure. 
I don't know if I've told you this before, but to get Willie inside when he's outside, Sarah and I whistle. We say <whistles> to get him inside. That's the whistle to get Willie inside. And Henry and Alice don't know how to whistle, but they also like to get Willie inside. So what they say when they want to get Willie inside is this. Arrup! <laughs> That's cute. It's so cute. It melts me. Every oh, time it God. melts me. Oh, <laughs> it's like when Alice says I'm upside down when she's right side up and says I'm right side up when she's upside down. Like, it's so freaking cute. All of this is in front of you. I can't wait. Um, anyway, Haley has just learned how to whistle. Congratulations, Haley. I'm mm-hmm. happy that I can finally whistle, but now I find myself with a serious problem. I can't stop whistling. This is a serious problem. Oh, it's a it's a crisis for everyone around you. Maybe it's because I feel like I have 20 whistleless years to make up for, or maybe I'm just practicing now that I'm addicted to it. This wouldn't be a big deal, but I live with a roommate in a studio apartment. Oh, my f- Oh, wow. (laughs) And I think I'm driving her crazy with all the whistling. Oh, you don't need to think, Haley. You need to stop the whistling. How can I stop whistling and move on with my life? Best whistles, Haley. That's a fantastic Ah, sign off. Best whistles. Oh, my God. It all got worth it at the end there. It all, I mean, it paid off big time. (laughs) So, Hank, um, in addition to being, as you know, a really great singer, Mm -hmm. I am also... uh, I am also an off-key whistler. Like, I also can't whistle correctly. Yeah, I'm not great at whistling either. I have a couple of friends who are, like, super high-quality, like, you should be a professional whistler whistlers. Yeah. Uh, that is not me. Um, you want to play a game real quick where mm-hmm. we whistle tunes back and forth to each other and I try to guess what you're whistling? Okay. All right, here's me. Ready? Okay. Anything? Anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. Doc, Doc of the Bay. Is it Doc of the Bay? Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Yeah. Otis Redding. Exactly. Now you, now, now you, you bring me one. All right. It's got to be something I recognize. Remember, I only know about seven songs. Okay. I have no idea what that song is. Is it uh, "Hey Now You're an All Star" by Smash Mouth? <laughs> yes. That is literally one of the seven songs I know. I know. Uh, I, fig- I figured goes. it was going to be one of them. Uh, Hank, uh, Good what job. do you say to Haley? What does Haley uh, do in this situation? I mean, stop whistling. I, 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 mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, I, like, with anything that becomes compulsive, it can be very hard to stop doing things. Um, uh, but maybe th- maybe there's some kind of, like, noise-activated shock collar that you can acquire. No, that's a terrible idea. Um, Just I some negative reinforcement. My, my first ever therapist, when I described, like, the experience of these, like, obsessive thought spirals that I would fall into, I remember my first ever therapist said, and I'm quoting directly, you need to stop thinking like that. it's really good and i was like oh yeah no that's thanks for that helpful advice obviously Haley wishes that she lived in a world in which she wasn't whistling so much here's my advice Haley. i wonder if you can whistle to yourself like whistle silently the way that you like talk to yourself i wonder Mm. if you could practice some self-whistling i do that with uh talking a lot and Catherine will sometimes be like what are you doing and i will just uh, my mouth will be moving very smallly and oh, yeah, I do that a lot. It's weird. I do that, especially when I'm uh, writing a Vlogbrothers video in my head. Yeah. And Sarah will be like, are you are you talking? And I'll be like, not exactly. <laughs> just, I'm just being real weird. 
just yeah. this is, I'm just, I just, oh man, this is, I mean, it's part of the process. Speaking of real weird, we've got a question from Jethro who writes, Dear John and Hank, when I open my mouth, photons get in. Now, the photons have no mass, so they don't cause me to gain weight or anything. My question is, <laughs> what happens to the photons when I close my mouth? Do they all get out in the last moment before it shuts? Or do some get trapped in there and bounce around until I next open my mouth? Flutsome and Jethsome, oh, Jethro. Oh, man, I love it so much, Jethro. This is super good. Um, that's the, well, I mean, I can tell you actually what happens to them. That's what I want to know. Okay. I feel, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like that, that magic of feeling as if they're just bouncing around in there waiting to fly out when you open your mouth again. That's too beautiful. I don't want to ruin it. But, uh, a photon, when it hits, um, something will, uh, will either be absorbed or it will reflect, um, and, so a very small amount of them will reflect, but then they will reflect uh, and hit something else very soon afterward. You know, they're moving at the speed of light, so it's going to happen very quickly. And, and and within, you know, an imperceptible amount of time after you close your mouth, they will have all been absorbed by the tissues in your mouth. And your mouth will be slightly warmer. So there's that, probably. Um, but... Yeah, they, they they won't be there when you open your mouth again, unless you could open your mouth really fast, really fast, <laughs> like, really like way way faster. Uh, then you which can. is why, like, when you close a door, uh, all the photons they just like they they get absorbed by the room and stop bouncing around. Even if you're in, in like a room made of mirrors, that happens because the, so the mirrors aren't perfect. Basically, we're we're all made out of light. Uh, we're all made out of energy if you if you want to be beautiful about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It feels like a it feels like a reach. It feels like one of those uh, early John Green novel science reaches. <laughs> we're definitely not all made of light. I can tell you that. Uh, this next question comes from Nicole, who writes, "Dear John and Hank, during this year's Project for Awesome, I purchased the Nerdfighter pen pal perk. To make a long story short, the two pen pals I was placed with never responded after oh. the initial message." The fantastic team at Project for Awesome were very kind to me, but said that no one else has had this situation occur, so they were placing me on a list in case this happens to anyone else, but it's been several months, and I'm beginning to lose hope. I'm hoping if you read this email, someone will reach out to be my nerdfighter pen pal. Best wishes, Nicole. All right, Nicole, here's the deal. We're going uh, we're, to we're gonna have applications to be your pen pal. <laughs> no, wait, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. That sounds like work. All right. All right, Nicole, here's the deal. You know Colleen from earlier, uh, who the kindergarten teacher who's looking to find a new career? Uh, she doesn't know this, but she is your new pen pal. Oh, it uh, happens. The good news is that you, Nicole, now it is your job to get Colleen a new, a new job. So right. well, also, we're closing the loop on we're, this. We're going we're gonna to hook you up with Haley as well, and you can talk uh, with her, and you will not be able to hear her whistle, which is excellent news for you because it's a, it's a pen pal situation. Hopefully, Haley won't write out her whistlings. Colleen and Haley, if you don't want to be Nicole's pen pal, don't worry. Her previous two pen pals also rejected her, so I'm <laughs> sure her heart won't be broken or anything. <laughs> 
All right, John, this next question comes from Dahlia, who asks, what is the proper etiquette for handing change to a cashier? Do you place it on the counter, which forces them to pick up the coins, which can be difficult and irritating, or do you try to hand it to them directly, which can result in your hands awkwardly touching or dropping the coins by accident? Am I the only one who thinks about this? An answer would be much appreciated. Yours, curiously, Dahlia. Hey, Dahlia, I got a great uh, update for you. Just, we use credit cards now. We don't, what is... (laughs) Not all. Always. I mean, so when I worked at Steak and Shake, it was a cash only business, astonishingly. Um, wow. And this this came up in my life all the time when I I don't know if you know this, Hank, but the uh, takeout uh, side of, of Steak and Shake is called take home a sack because you are yeah. taking home a sack of burgers. Mm-hmm. And so when someone would come up to the take home a sack line, I, this would happen all the time. In fact, it would almost every time. Uh, and in my experience, I would rather much rather uh, Personally, someone just uh, try to sort of drop, hand the change off in some way or drop the change into my hand because it is very difficult to pick up change off of a counter. And in the end, I think it's actually from the perspective of someone who's somewhat germaphobic, actually like grosser to have to like touch every part of the penny as you try to like (laughs) rip it from the counter. it's then true. just to like what? risk the slight touch <laughs> oh, of another man. human hand. So that is my personal vote, but I'm sure that everybody's experience is different. And really, I would think that most of the time we can solve this problem with credit cards now. This is a problem that my son, Oren, has. He is 10 and a half months old, uh, particularly with avocado. Uh, uh-huh. Sure. Man, it like getting him to pick a piece of avocado up off the counter is... It's so frustrating to watch, and he's just like, he's concentrating, and he's got his fingers on it, and he's pulling it, and it sticks, and he just like slides off, and it's still there on the freaking thing in front of his high chair, and he's just like, why can't I get this avocado into my hand? Oh, yeah. it's so sticky, yeah. the surface tension. Um, it's hard to I wonder to be how baby. old I was when I first ate an avocado, because I was definitely older than Oren is now. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, when did avocados happen? I feel like we didn't, like, I did not encounter an avocado until college. And all of these young people these days don't know what life was like. They don't understand, like, like Steak and Shake didn't take credit cards and avocados didn't exist. It was a hard life for us. We walked uphill <laughs> to school both ways. It was very difficult. Uh, did I ever tell you, by the way, that Sarah's grandfather was an avocado farmer in California? No. It's true. It's true. Not the kind of avocados that we most uh, commonly eat these days here in the United States. But uh, he, he was an avocado farmer, and uh, you still occasionally see his name on avocados. Can you say avocado again for me, John? Um, well, now I can't because now I've become suddenly tremendously self-conscious. Do I say avocado weird? You say avocado like you are very American. Uh, well, how do British people say avocado? Rosiana, how do you say avocado? Avocado. That is my that's my invitation of Rosiana saying avocado. <laughs> avocado. I mean, I don't, what is it like just to a- treat words so generously? as English people treat them. It's like every word they say, it's like they're trying to like give the oh, word yeah. a hug and make sure that its feelings don't get hurt. <laughs> Do you know avocados in America used to be called avocado pears? Which is just, because they're pear-shaped, 
But like, yeah. what? But they are, don't say that because people are going to be very confused when right, they crack that's probably open why they this. Didn't catch on for decades. Just like people bite, like take a bite out of it. <laughs> just, like, this, and they'd crack open an avocado pear and be like, "This doesn't taste like a pear at this, all." Something very bad has happened to this pear. <laughs> all right, Hank. We got. Let's get to another question from our listeners. This one comes from uh, Allison, who writes. Uh, Hi, John and Hank. I find myself in year three of graduate school working a full-time low-paying internship, writing a thesis, and working on a grant. I haven't made it in my career yet, and I already feel burned out. The two of you seem to do it all, even while maintaining relationships and time with your families. How do you keep yourselves from burning out? How do you keep going when you're just tired, overworked, and underpaid? Allison. I think the much more important question Allison should be asking is, how do John and Hank make it appear that they don't get burned out? Cause, yeah, because the, so, yeah, the fact that you don't think that we do is a is a win, as far as I can tell. But yeah, there are definitely times when I feel uh, like like I'm failing at one or the other of those things that I'm concentrating too much on one and it's hurting the other, or that uh, or that I'm just really done. I'm just done with one of the things that I'm working on, and I have to keep doing it because it's a responsibility that I have and that, I, that I've signed up for, and people are relying on me. I cannot tell you in our real lives how often Hank says to me or I say to him that we feel like we're doing all of our jobs badly. Yeah. Um, It's one of my biggest worries and frustrations is feeling like I do too many things and end up doing them all poorly. And uh, but I also have just a tremendous amount of support that you probably don't have uh, working in graduate school. Uh, and working at your full-time job and trying to write a thesis and also trying to get grant money so that you can continue to do the work that you want to do. Like, that is a lot to take on in a life. And I think it's, I, I find it helpful to sometimes just to say like, okay, well, the reason I feel overworked and stressed out and uh, like I'm pressed past the limit is that I am. Like, that's mm-hmm. real. It's not uh, that that, you know, I'm some tremendous failure because I can't do stuff. It's because it's real. And I, I also, the other thing I'd say is that honestly, because Hank is my brother and Hank is the most productive, relentless person I have ever met. And I am in complete awe of his ability to just do thing after thing after thing and do them all well. Like, I also know the feeling of like looking at other people and just feeling like I don't I can't do that. And sometimes that's also okay. I think it's okay to just be like I can't do all this other stuff even if people other people can do it. I can't. And accepting your own uh, limitations and 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 being able to kind of work within your own strengths and weaknesses I think is kind of the key to long-term sustainable workloads. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, and and the only reason I feel like I've been able to do, like, uh, like an abnormally large amount of sort of individual activities is because uh, one, I find them all very enjoyable, and I kind of often don't have to do them when I stop finding them enjoyable because I can find people who will help me keep those things working and alive after I have gotten burned out on them, or I, I will sort of catch my burnout early and find ways to have people who support me and support those things after I feel like I can't do them. And so that's an amazing place of, of privilege to be able to like, when something is getting to be too much or when I'm just like over it, I can find people who have that passion that 
that I don't have at the moment and then come back to it when my passion is back. Yeah, no, that is a, that is a huge privilege for sure. I got another question. It's from Kate. Dear Brothers Green, I currently have a pimple located right at the base of my nostril and even brushing a finger against it causes instant pain and death. Why does this particular zit hurt so much and how do I get rid of it? I would appreciate any dubious advice as I would like to be able to wash my face again like a normal person. Acne and artichokes, Kate. John. Oh. Oh. Nose, oh. nose stuff. Man, I tell you what, I looked this up, John. Nose pain is some of the, some of the worst pain that you can have on your body, weirdly. Uh, there was a man in recently who decided he wanted to know where it hurt the most on his body to get stung by a bee. And so he stung mm. himself with a bee every day for a month on different parts of his body. In fact, twice a day because he did a test sting on his forearm so he could be like, okay, this is how much the base level of pain is. And then I will sting mm -hmm. myself on another part of my body to know how much worse than forearm bee sting that is. And do you want to yeah. know where on his whole body, because he stung himself everywhere, it hurt the worst? Uh, was it the nose? It was the nose. And yes, he did sting himself on his penis, and it hurt less than getting stung on the nose. In fact, it, it was not even really, like, it was, you know, close to the top, but penis sting was, like, just as bad as, like, armpit sting or, like, palm of the hand sting. It was, like, a seven. The nose was a nine. Like, the, like the nostril and, like, around the lip area was the worst area to get stung by a bee. And I feel this... I feel this so hard because I get nose zits on the inside of my nose sometimes, and they hurt so bad. It hurts so bad. So bad. So I, I completely agree. But I just, I, I, if you don't mind, I would like to ask you to just roll back the tape a little bit. Um, what? <laughs> Why? Hey, we wanted to know. When? Science. Who? I, I, you can't give me like one of... You can't give me like one fifth of this news story and not fill in the blanks. Who is this person? Why did they choose to do this? Don't tell me for science, because for science, you need a much larger sample size. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think you're going to get a much larger sample size is the thing. First off, in my experience, what you need in this situation, above all, because there is no solution that I know of to the nose zit, is empathy. You need people in your life who care about you and understand how terrible a nose zit is. And that is why, Kate, I am going to be introducing you to Nicole C. Uh, and you guys are going to be pen pals. That's right, Kate. You're going to be pen pals with Nicole C., whether you like it or not. And remember, she has been dumped by two pen pals, so don't dump her. Okay, what, Hank, what is, what is going on? Who did this? His name is Michael Smith. Um, he is. No, it isn't. It is. It is. No, it isn't. That what? is a completely fake name. As anybody who intentionally stung themselves on the penis with a bee would do, he has created a fake name. I mean, no. I'm at the Cornell uh, graduate uh, students page right now. I've just clicked on a page, a picture of Michael Smith research. I'm interested in how honeybee workers sense the size of their colony and how they make the switch from investing in survival slash growth to reproduction. I spend lots of time counting bees and looking at drone comb. Uh, it does not mention the fact that he stung himself on the penis with a bee uh, and apparently stung himself a total of 190 times over 38 days and calibrated uh, his experiments with a single sting on the forearm every time. Uh, I mean, it's one of those Batman things, you know, like it's the, the hero we need. 
Yeah, so the, the nose was a 9 out of 10. The lips was an 8.7 out of 10. Interesting that he got that granular with it, that there was a 0.7 going on. Uh, his penis came in at 7.3. Testicles, a mere 7. Uh, oh. tying, uh, <laughs> tying for fourth with the cheek, the palm, and the armpit. Oh, I mean, I, I am grateful to know this information so that if I ever get uh, stung in the nose by a bee, I will at least be able to comfort myself by saying, <laughs> well, Michael Smith did say this was the worst. <laughs> and he, he knows. He says, uh, he says at the end of this article in National Geographic, I didn't see a lot of merit in repeating this with more subjects. So he's not going to uh, go any deeper with the research, it looks right, like. So but he it's addressed- not nothing. He, he addressed his, my concern about yeah. sample size head on, which I appreciate. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. With that, in fact, Jake, that reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Michael Smith. Michael Smith, the surprisingly generous soul who agreed to be uh, stung by a bee 190 times. Uh, the podcast is also additionally brought to you by the solution to pollution, which is dilution. Uh, dilution. Just invite everyone to your wedding so you don't have to hang out with your parents' weird friends. And today's podcast is brought to you by the photons in your mouth. The photons in your mouth, they're going to stay there. And finally, well, not technically, but whatever. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by avocado pears. Just take a big old bite. Don't even think about what might be inside of there or whether that skin is definitely not to be eaten. Just yum, yum, yum. This next question comes to you. I don't even know what the next question is. This next question, this next question comes, comes to from you. Jordan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. Fine. No, no you go. No, you go. All right. Go. It comes from Joey, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I just wanted to compliment the phrase of the week game this week, episode 108. It was a large improvement on that bit and definitely made it more exciting for us listeners. So I wanted to give you positive feedback. Not a kangaroo, Joey. Thank you for that, Joey, and for the wonderful name-specific sign-off. I want to say that when we create bits here at Dear Hank and John, we try to set the bar so low that we cannot <laughs> help but jump over it in the future. Mm. Yeah, working hard at that. I uh, I also liked it last week. It made me really excited. Um, but I, I have not heard one yet from you, so I don't well, know. Uh, maybe you've knows, done Hank? it. Maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe I've maybe, said it. Maybe I haven't. Nobody maybe it's audible.com sure. slash Dear John, and uh, you're really throwing me for a loop. Uh, <laughs> Rosiana would have been throwing me a pretty easy softball <laughs> if she'd made it audible.com slash Dear John. You're home for a free month of Audible. Uh, we've also got a note here from Emin Berkeley I wanted to read, who writes, uh, I'm a female tech executive in my 50s, and I love all the many things you guys do. I'll be at your San Francisco show, no doubt the oldest attendee. No way. I bet you will not be the oh, oldest no, no attendee. Way. But um, but I really do appreciate you being there in San Francisco and spending your Halloween with us. That is going to be our Halloween spectacular, uh, and we're very excited. <laughs> you have no idea how Halloween-y Hank is going to get. Uh, anyway, I'm very much looking forward to it. When I was in high school, college, I relied on my own 1970s nerdfighter-esque tribe, sci-fi lit, Star Trek, the original recipe Comic-Cons when they were still in a hotel ballroom, Bob Dylan, jam bands, and I still love all these things. In the last episode, you recommended wearing personal fandom garb, thus I will be in tie-dye, which brings me back to jam bands. <laughs> Thinking it's funny to not care about Trey's name, it's like saying the person who wrote Harry Potter is J.K. What's-her-name. I share this with you only to point out that there are many fandoms throughout space and time that provide community for us nerds diagon and deadheads m in berkeley what a great email and what a generous correction (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you. And, uh, and I have to say, full disclosure, I have been to a Fish concert quite recently, actually, and I had a great time. All right, Hank, let's go back to questions for a second. This one comes from Jordan, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm a 20-year-old girl who's a few months off finishing her university degree, and I've recently been working for quite a large tech company. I've had the opportunity to purchase stock in this company, and now I'm the proud question mark owner of some shares in a global organization. Everybody's told me that stocks are good and I should have them. I'm also under the impression <laughs> that selling them within the first year of having them incurs a bit of a tax where I am from, Australia. The reason I'm writing now is that I remember listening to an early Dear Hank and John regarding stocks and all i remember is that i need to have more than one <laughs> first off i just want to pause jordan and say that coming to dear hank and john for market <laughs> advice is a great decision but like what do you do with them do you have to check their existence daily do they need food and water they're not neopets jordan come on <laughs> when do i need to sell them should i sell them what's the point of having them if you don't sell them i'm 20 and i don't know how to share Jordan, ah, great sign off. Great. Ah, high great. quality. Excellent. Uh, you know, Jordan, like honestly, and this is this has been proven by like cats choosing like picking stocks versus like high paid analysts picking stocks. The best thing yeah. you can do is nothing. Is just like have stocks and keep them and it is a way to save money in a way that that and, and that money will uh, become more money as you get older being the age of 20 is a great time to put some money into investments because while year to year you never really know how much money you're going to make over you know the last hundred years of the stock market existing there has been uh, you know a, a fairly steady increase in stock prices as more value has been added to the economy and more cool things have been done with money. Um, that uh, the, the goal is that if you have, you know, $100 that goes into your uh, into the stock market when you're 20 years old, by the time you retire, that will be $500. And that's not a huge deal when it's $100. But if you're putting in, you know, $1,000 and it's 5000 if you're putting in 10000 and it's 50000 that can really help uh, create stability for you when you are done with working. That's the whole So point. I'm going to disagree with everything that Hank just said. All right, let's fight about it. First off, neither Hank nor I knows that much about investing money. As evidence for this, I would point to the fact that Hank and I had an extensive conversation last night where we were both trying to understand <laughs> um, how stock options work it's true. and how vesting works yeah, and not, how shares. It, it, I didn't figure it out either. No. And the other thing that I was going to say is that we ended the conversation by being like, this seems complicated. And that was the end. So <laughs> I, I can't think of I can't think of a, a, a less financially savvy podcast to visit. But I will say, I don't think that doing nothing in Jordan's particular case is the right thing to do necessarily. So, Jordan, you're going to get these um, the, these shares at some kind of a, a discount ostensibly to what they would uh, cost on, on the open market. And uh, and then they will like vest over time while you work at the company, hopefully for a, a while. That's what the company wants, certainly. Um, and then you will have the option uh, to sell them. And uh you're right that short-term capital gains are taxed differently in Australia than long-term capital gains, I think. I'm not positive. Yep. But at some point, I actually think that you should sell the stock in that company because I don't think that it is always a good thing to own. If you're going to own stocks, which I agree is good, um, I don't think that you should own stock in only one company. Now, Jordan, yes. it's possible yeah. that the... 
corporate behemoth you work for is so big that it cannot fail. But even uh, very large banks in America that were deemed too big to fail and indeed were not allowed to fail by the government uh, still saw their share prices reduced by like 80, 90 percent in the stock market crash of 2008. So at some point, I would recommend uh, selling that stock and just buying what's called an index fund um, or some some vehicle through which you can own a lot of stocks at the same time. So an index fund is basically just you would own all the companies in Australia or all the companies that do business in Australia instead of just one. And your $100 would be kind of split among all of those companies instead of just at the one. I'm going to assume it's Google. But, uh, <laughs> yes, John is right. You do not want to put all of your eggs in one basket, obviously. the uh, But uh, it's great that you have an op- an opportunity to have the stock now and to maybe have a piece of the organization that you're working for. But, you know, once there is a good time for you to sell that uh, or invest in other stocks so that you can have a more diverse portfolio or just buy an index fund, which has been proven for the most part to be uh, much better than p- trying to pick individual stocks. And the index fund is just like if you're in America, you just buy the whole S&P 500. And when that goes up, your stocks go up. When that goes down, your investment goes down. And over time, the S&P tends to go up. Uh, unless right. there is a that global noted. catastrophe and then it happened and uh, money doesn't matter anyway. Right. Th- then we're just going to be burning our dollars to stay warm. But Jordan, the only thing that I would ask in exchange for this high quality financial advice is that you <laughs> write us and you explain to us how uh, like vesting and all that and stock options work because I'm- we're a little confused. All right, Hank, before we get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I, I want to share this email from Colleen who wrote in to say, Dear John and Hank, on your most recent episode, John mentioned that Hot Springs, Arkansas was the best town name in the state. Personally, I'm from Eureka Springs. No hard feelings. Interstate rivalries aside, John, allow me to introduce you to Greasy Corner, Arkansas, Wiener, Arkansas, Monkey Run, Arkansas, and Toad Suck, Arkansas. So I officially rescind my position <laughs> that Hot Springs, Arkansas is the best town name. Obviously, Toad Suck, Arkansas oh, takes man. the cake. I mean, I need a shirt a shirt from Toad Suck, Arkansas. So bad. Get get it to me. We had a lot of really good name-specific sign-offs uh, that came in. America, whose name is America, uh, name-specific sign-off, God bless America. Also, maybe my favorite uh, that I have seen, maybe ever, is from Ruth, who, uh, who signs off, you can't handle the Ruth. Uh, my favorite is actually from Tori, uh, which is the best one I've ever seen. She signs off, who lives, who dies, who tells, yours, Tori. <laughs> oh, I didn't get it until you said it out loud. <laughs> oh, God, it's a winner. It's a winner. Uh, good oh, stuff. man, what a time to be alive. Hank, what's the news from Mars this week? Well, a bunch of people, uh, eight of them, I think, spent eight months hanging out uh, on the side of a volcano in Hawaii, uh, never venturing outside of their of their habitat without spacesuits on, living uh, only with each other, and doing their best to get along and to make that relationship work for science, so that NASA can better understand how people will get along on long missions with a small number of people. Uh, ideally going to Mars. And this is a big deal because uh, there have been times when astronauts in space have been like, this is terrible and we're going to basically mutiny. It only happened one time. And uh, and they said 
to NASA, we're going to stop working until you change our work hours. And it was like a space strike, which is, you know, either a labor movement or it's, you know, illegally taking over a space station, which, uh, you know, depending on your perspective. So uh, getting people, young people to spend a bunch of time together uh, without any contact with anyone else. If they wanted to communicate with uh, the outside world, they had to uh, have about a 20-minute lag, which would be, you know, like the, the sort of average amount of time that the the light takes for, to get from Mars to Earth. So you, uh, so, so they couldn't browse the internet like normal people. They had to hang out with just the same people over and over again and spend eight months doing that on the side of a volcano in Hawaii, which is not the worst place to hang out, I don't think, but uh, maybe nicer than Mars in a lot of ways. But How did uh, it go? It went, it went fine. They all did well. I'm sure that there will be uh, research papers published about it. But, but you know, in general, these things, uh, when they're done explicitly uh, for the science, the, you don't really know uh, that much about, about it until uh, all the papers have time to get written and peer-reviewed and stuff. But they're home now and get to be on the Internet like normal people and I'm sure are regretting it. <laughs> well, I'm sure they're, the first thing that they did uh, upon leaving their fake Mars was tune in to Dear Hank and John. So, hello, <laughs> former Martians. Thank hello. you for your service. Yes. Well, Hank, the news from <clears throat> AFC Wimbledon is, wait for it, good? Ooh. AFC Wimbledon uh, went to Blackburn Rovers, uh, an away game against one of the better teams in League One. In fact, Blackburn Rovers once won the Premier League. Um, and uh, everyone felt very strongly that uh, AFC Wimbledon would lose that game because that has sort of been a bit of the trend line uh, for the first <laughs> six games of the season. But no, Blackburn Rovers lost the game. AFC Wimbledon won the game. Check it Can out. Can you imagine that? AFC Wimbledon won uh, 1-0, bringing their uh, total goal scoring uh, for um, the season up to, if I'm not mistaken, four? Uh, Yeah, so a 1-0 victory. And then uh, in the past, as you are listening to this, but in the future, as uh, I am reporting it, uh, AFC Wimbledon on September 22nd play the franchise currently plying its trade in Milton Keynes. It's obviously a huge game. Um... The no getting around it. Uh, it's the rivalry that shouldn't be, but is, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I will be watching the game live on the iFollow AFC Wimbledon app. Uh, now it's it is cool. Now that there's some problems with the app, it's not perfect, but it is really cool <laughs> that you can watch live streaming video of uh, of Wimbledon playing. And and this game, I'm glad that I will not be there in real life because I'm sure it will be tense and uh, upsetting. Uh, but hopefully it will be tense and upsetting and also thrilling and we will win. That is kind of my big hope. I really, really want to win that game. I also have that same hope for you, John. Uh, are, are things going better for a particular reason or is it just the uh, the luck of the dice in, in uh, well, I mean, defensively, <clears throat> Wimbledon have been very solid this season. They've they've scored fewer goals than almost any other team. Actually, they've scored the fewest goals in League One. Um, hmm. But they also have one of the best defensive records in League One. They've only given up eight goals, uh, which I think would put them like seventh or eighth in the table um, if uh, games were only calculated by how many goals are scored on you. Uh, so I think the struggle for Wimbledon is going to be where the goals are going to come from without 
you know, without Tom Elliott and without Autobiowak and Fenwa. Um, and we're starting to see a little more energy. The game before that, AFC Wimbledon drew, but they were creating a lot of offensive chances. So the Dons are currently 16th in the table, uh, which means that they are four spots north of the relegation zone, right where we like it. All right. Good good job, AFC Wimbledon. Uh, John, is it now the time where we guess each other's phrases of the week? It is. It is the time where we guess each other's phrases All of the week. All right. Do you want to try and guess mine? I do, but I have no idea what oh, it is. Oh no! I have. I. I don't even know if I have a guess. Let me. Let me. Let me look. Let me think if I have a guess. Um. Hank, was your phrase of the week the front door? No. No, it was oh. not. Did, did was I even it? say the front door? I mean, Probably I feel like not. this was... What was this, your phrase of the week? This was exceptionally easy to, to hide. And, uh, and also, we had a great moment for it. It was, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. you did hide that very effectively. We got a stock market question. Yeah. You did so. hide that very effectively. <clears throat> what was my phrase of the week? I'm going to guess the solution to pollution is dilution. I mean, it would have been a great phrase of the week. But my phrase of the <laughs> oh, week was no. rule the roost. Rule the roost. Which I snuck in very, very early because I wow. sensed that I couldn't put it in any later. So I snuck in that thing about how we're going to have some kind of like fake rivalry as writers and to find out who's going to rule the roost, which of course we won't really have because yeah. uh, one, no. one person's success does not it really impact someone else's success, except Man. positively in the case of brothers. The phrase of the week makes it so you cannot get distracted. you got to be paying no, you really attention pay all attention. the time. Um, so we're going to go record uh, This Week in Ryan's, our uh, weekly Patreon-only podcast about uh, Ryan's, increasingly focused on non-Ryan's. And, uh, but thank you for listening, and uh, thanks to everybody for sending in their questions. We're sorry about all the questions we don't answer. And Hank, thank you for potting with me. It was an absolute pleasure. This podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins, uh, produced by uh, Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communication is Victoria Bongiorno. The theme music that you're hearing is by, uh, by the great Gunnarola. If you want to email us your questions, you could do that at hankandjohn at gmail.com. We're also Hank Green on Twitter and John Green on Twitter. You can find us that, though, that that place and also other places on the internet. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for potting with me. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.